Haverty's Furniture is here to help you get your home all set for the new year so you can set the stage with more style, set the bar more beautifully, and set a more show-stopping table. Let's set some time aside to settle in on a new sofa together because being at home shouldn't mean having to settle for less. And Haverty's Furniture can help you start the new year off right at their holiday savings event so you can create the perfect setting. And right now, everything's on sale store-wide. If you're listening to The Breakdown, you are probably concerned about the coronavirus. Instead of me just ignoring that like that's not an actual thing, today I'm going to try to unpack and explain it. My entire team has consulted public health experts. We've consulted infectious disease experts and others. I'm going to try to really explain not just what the virus is, but the impact that it could have on our daily lives. I'm going to give us some action steps, and I don't just mean wash your hands, but yes, wash your damn hands all the time. But we're going to go deeper than that. We're going to give you some action steps, some things that you can begin advocating for that if we don't, could really make this a pandemic and the World Health Organization says we are right on the verge of that. All right? This is Sean King, and you are listening to The the, the Breakdown. The the, the Breakdown. The, 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 The Breakdown. Unless you've been living under a rock, and truthfully, maybe even if you've been living under a rock, you have heard of the coronavirus. And as you already know, we are in the middle of what the World Health Organization is calling a global pandemic. So this isn't just a creation of the news media, the World Health Organization, the CDC and others, even the conservative led CDC are openly calling this what it is, a global pandemic. And so far, COVID-19, which is the scientific name for the coronavirus, COVID-19 is short for Coronavirus Disease 2019. It is responsible for at least now 150,000 cases worldwide. And the Trump administration has not wanted to admit it, but COVID-19 is here. It's already here. His chief of staff just had to quarantine himself. Did you hear what I just said? His chief of staff the chief of staff of the president of the United States is quarantined. It's spreading across the country. I live in New York. The head of the New York, New Jersey Port Authority is not only quarantined, he actually has the coronavirus. This is the person that oversees all of our ports. People are getting sick. And according to the World Health Organization, and I'm going to try to break it down here, people who are most at risk are those over 60 years old. It's not limited to people over 60 years old, of course. People who are at risk are those who already have compromised immune systems, which happens to be millions of Americans, and that can be children, that that can be anybody. Those caring for someone who is ill are also at great risk, or caring for people with the virus uh, are also at great risk. And people who have the following chronic medical conditions are at a heightened risk, high blood pressure. Like, that's scary because a huge chunk of people have high blood pressure. Heart disease, diabetes, asthma, people who have those issues. You or someone you are close to 
probably has high blood pressure or heart disease or diabetes or asthma. But while it's good to know who's super at risk, we're all at risk. But while it's good to know who is particularly at risk, what I also need you to understand is that in this country, more so than any developed country in the world, we are actually at greater risk. And I want you to understand why. This virus could be worse in the United States because for the last 40 years, since Ronald Reagan, our nation has systematically dismantled the systems that would actually protect us. We've defunded social housing. So now we have obscene numbers of people living in our streets, people who will be very, very vulnerable to getting sick, who now have no home to go to. We've left our healthcare system to the private market. So now people are either incredibly underinsured or completely uninsured and just can't afford health care. Even if they have health care, tens of millions, some people say now up to about 100 million Americans can't even afford to use it. We have failed to protect the rights of all of our workers. So millions and millions of workers now have no paid sick leave. Now, the coronavirus, what it's really doing in the United States is exposing all the cracks in our system from the lack of health care to the lack of housing to the lack of job security to the lack of paid sick leave. And for so many of us, if you're an everyday American, this is not news. So many of us are working and living from paycheck to paycheck. Most Americans cannot afford a $400 emergency. And most studies show that if an American had, if the average American had a $1,000 emergency, it would tank their entire life. We don't really have a social safety net. We don't really have protection from emergencies like this. For so many of us, and for many of you listening right now, if you don't work, the rent doesn't get paid, period. If you don't work, you and your family will get evicted. If you don't work, the heat gets turned off. If you don't work, your kids don't eat. So here's the wild thing. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention just told us, if you're sick, stay home. Then they say to go get tested. Listen to me, hold on. If you're sick, stay home, don't go to work, don't go to school, then get tested. They say to go get medical care if your coronavirus-like symptoms worsen. And I appreciate this advice. I appreciate messages that seek to protect public health. I do. But you know what? There are big systemic problems in our country that mean that this advice really cannot be taken. Let me break it down. Break it down. See, for so many Americans, they can't stay home. So when the CDC says, if you're sick, listen, stay home, they write that from a position of privilege because tens of millions of Americans couldn't stay home if they wanted to. They have to work to provide food. They have to work or they'll lose their job. They don't have paid sick leave. Do you hear me? Tens of millions of Americans, and I am sure many of you who are listening right now, have no paid sick leave. And if you want to survive, you have to take your ass to work. 
even if working is what's going to end up making you sicker, you still have to show up. In an article that was just published in The Guardian, it says more than 32 million workers in the United States have no paid sick days off. And it says low-wage workers are the least likely to have paid sick time. And this is the quote. These workers are also significantly less likely to have access to health care and medical benefits, making them potentially especially vulnerable to the coronavirus outbreak as it spreads. And it concludes, according to the latest data available from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, 69% of low-wage workers do not receive paid sick leave benefits. Do you hear me? So people have to work, even if they're sick. You know this. You've probably gone to work sick before because you don't have paid sick leave. If you have the virus, you can't go get tested. One, we don't even know where the tests are. And people are saying when they try to get tested, places don't have tests. But you can't go get tested because you can't take the time to sit in an emergency room to go get the test. And even if you learn that you're sick, if you don't have health insurance or if you have a very limited health insurance policy with high co-pays and big deductibles, you can't afford to go to the hospital or stay in the hospital. And for some children and school administrators, schools can't close. Let me explain why. Because there are so many homeless children in this country right now that if they stay home when they are sick, that means they're in the streets. Do you understand what I'm saying? Homeless children often only really have shelter when they go to school. School is where they eat. There are now millions of Americans, children, whose only meals, sometimes breakfast and lunch and a snack they're sending home, the only meals they get are at school. In New York City, where I live, we have a brilliant chancellor. He is like in your city or county, you may call it superintendent, but he is the chancellor of all of New York City schools. I love him. His name is Richard Carranza. He's amazing. He said that closing the city's public schools for any prolonged period of time has to be a, quote, last resort. Get this. Because 750,000 low-income students in the city, 114,000 who are homeless, rely on schools for, quote, food, bathing, and even laundry. Did you hear what I just said? Three-quarters of a million children in one American city rely on schools for food and showers. So how are we going to shut down the schools? Where would these children eat? Where would they wash their hands? Where would they bathe? This is tragic. It's fundamentally tragic. This should humiliate all of us. I'm embarrassed even telling you these facts. We should hang our heads in shame as a country. That we have just one American city where if we close down the schools for public safety, 750,000 schools, children, school children, might not be able to eat a meal that day. And if you and your family 
Maybe you're not in this situation. If you're not, you're lucky. But know that every single day, you are encountering and seeing many, many people where this is their reality. That person who serves you your coffee, that janitor that cleans your office, that grocery store clerk who rings up your items, that taxi cab or Uber or Lyft driver that drives you, the people riding next to you on public transportation. And you know who else? The hospital worker, the school teacher, the adjunct professor, the temporary worker, the school aide, the daycare worker. So the fact that other people can't stay home, that they can't stay home and recover, it affects all of us. That children have to go to school and that many have no home at all, it impacts all of us. You know why? Because a virus does not discriminate. Do you hear me? A virus does not discriminate. When one of us is vulnerable, we're all vulnerable. As one of my favorite Congress people, Congress member Ro Khanna said, the coronavirus shows us that we are only as safe as the least insured among us. Do you hear me? If a virus infects one of us and that person has no real ability to be cared for in isolation, the virus will spread. An injury to one very, very quickly turns into an injury to many. We can no longer hide from the great inequity in this country. This virus will not let us hide. Action, 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 action. I am not here, and this episode of The Breakdown is not about causing anybody to panic. That's not helpful. The worst thing that would happen is if we use this virus to blame people who get sick or have to go to work or school because we as a country have not protected them. No, we need to see this and we need to use this moment as an opportunity. First, as an individual opportunity, an opportunity for you right here, right now, in the midst of your fear, in the midst of your busy life, to reach out and help rebuild what has been lost in this country. Reach out to your neighbors, particularly those who are vulnerable, and let them know your number if they need anything. Give them your phone number and let them know to text you or call you if they are sick or concerned or anything else. Listen, it's in our best interest to make sure those people around us are healthy. Introduce yourself. Drop a card by. Let them know. If you're sick and I'm well, call me for help. Maybe you'll be able to bring food or medicine. Maybe you'll just give them some hope and encouragement by letting them know that they actually live in a community. What we also need to see is that this is a collective opportunity for us as a nation. We need to demand that our government provides health care to all people. Let me explain something to you. Almost every developed nation in the world already has this. We need to demand that all workers, all employees, all gig workers, that's Uber and Lyft and every other type of temporary gig you can get, temporary workers, we need to demand that all workers in America 
have paid sick leave, and it's outrageous that they don't. If your neighbor or the person who serves you coffee or the healthcare worker does not have paid sick leave, you need to understand that puts all of us at risk. It's not that person's fault. It's the system's fault. It's the government's fault that they have allowed employers to treat their employees this way. It's the fault of the Republican Party and the Democratic Party that they have not passed paid sick leave. Are you crazy? It's the government that's refused to fund health care and housing so that when a virus comes, we are all without protection. We need a paid sick leave bill. Do you understand me? We need Medicare for all. That's universal health care for all people, just like they have in the nations around us in almost every developed nation in the world. Call your congressperson, call your senator now, and demand that they support paid sick leave for all Americans. Demand that they back Medicare for all. Listen, last Friday, Democrats in the House and Senate introduced legislation that would require all employers to grant workers paid sick days. The bill, which was unveiled by Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro and Senator Patty Murray of Washington, would mandate that all employers let workers accrue seven days of paid sick leave and immediately provide 14 additional days when there's a public health emergency. That would put our national plan still at near the bottom of the list for the entire world. But right now we have nothing, zero, no mandatory paid sick leave for workers. How outrageous. This bill is barely a start. It doesn't even cover independent contractors or temporary workers or gig workers, but at least it's a start and we need to demand that our government start requiring the bare minimum of all of our employers. Listen, we must do better. In this moment, we can't just sit idly by. We can't just be afraid. This is a moment to fight for the change, to fight for the policies that we actually need and vote for people who support these policies. Don't vote for the status quo, not in the presidential election, not in your local races. Vote for people who really actually earnestly support paid sick leave for all workers, Medicare for all for all workers, and let people know that's what you stand for. Listen, I've got to run. I hope this episode gives you an idea of what we're up against and why it's a unique problem in this country. Of course, a major shout out to our podcast director, Lysandra, to our social media director, uh, Micah, to our podcast producer, Willis, to all the team at The Appeal for their help with this episode. Thank you all. Listen, I don't just want you to be safe. Yes, be safe, but be safe and let's be proactive. Let's be safe and fight for change so that we can be safe for generations. Take care, everybody. Break it down.
For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg. And real cheese folded over the side, looking just so good. Mmm, mmm. Grilled onions. And a butter bagel, too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm. Ba-ba-ba-ba. I participate in McDonald's.